as the choir is coming down, open your Bible to the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. A great, great book. Most of the um, confession that's in the warfare prayer is found in the book of Ephesians. And you'll notice that as we look at this book this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. I feel strongly in my spirit that if the body of Christ ever really wakes up to the great victory that Jesus won and that the power and authority that we have as believers, we will see a great, great movement of God. The Bible says that in the last days there will be a famine a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. And and deep in my spirit, I know that if every Christian in America would understand the power, the authority, the victory that they have in Jesus Christ, we could literally be such light and salt that we could make such a difference in this world that we'd push back the powers of darkness. But ignorance, being unaware of who we are in Christ and the power and authority we have, it, it, it just it's devastating. And, and I pray today that God will just give you a glimpse of the power and authority that you have in Jesus and the victory that you have in him. And you'll begin to live in that victory. You know, the Bible makes it absolutely clear that the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battleground. It is a war. And it's all over the word of God that we are in a spiritual battle. Let me give you an example. In Ephesians 6, chapter 10, verse 3, I want you to listen. Verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Just listen to what the Word of God says. So you'll know. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Hey, strong in the Lord and in the power, not your own, The power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says in the next verse, put on the whole armor of God. Now, you don't put on armor to go shoot paintball, you know. You put on armor because we're in an awesome spiritual battle. And so why don't we realize that? Why does the church go on like, well, it's just circumstances. It's evil's just going to triumph. No, it says, look here. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, do we have a battle? Now, I'm just reading the word of God, and I believe it. We do not wrestle hand-to-hand combat. That's exactly what that word means in the Greek. We're not in hand-to-hand combat against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. 
So the Bible's clear we're in a battle. And you turn over to the book of James, chapter 4, and it's verses 6 and following. Look, 6 through 10, listen to what it says. Uh, James 4, 6 through 10. It says, but he gives more grace. It's on the screen. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he goes on our next verse. Now, now get this. Therefore, since God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, therefore, submit to God. Now, you underline that word submit. That's the key to victory. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from me. He says, when you're under the authority of God, the enemy has to leave. So therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then there's another scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm just showing you now that we're in a battle. I want you to understand. It says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. You know, he talks about humility, and that's total dependence on God. That's not esteeming ourselves better than others, but humility is totally dependence on God. Yea, all of you be submissive one to another, be clothed with humility. And he says it again, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he goes on and says about our resisting of the enemy. He says, it says that the devil, like a roaring lion, this is uh, verse 7. If you could get it on the screen, please. Uh, in First Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your care upon him. He cares for you. And then in the 8th verse says, now this is where I wanted to get you to. Listen to it. I'm showing you three verses that says the Christian life is a battle. From the day you get saved to the day you go to heaven, you're in a war. Okay? You say, I don't like that. I don't either. The only thing I have not liked about the ministry in the 58 years is the intensity of spiritual warfare. I mean, it is a war. And I'm telling you, I've been fighting it ever since I surrendered to preach when I was 20 years old. It is a war. Be sober. Be vigilant. You know what that means? Be alert. Be on guard. Because your adversary, by the way, you have an adversary. No wonder I'm having such trouble in my Christian life, Lord. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may intimidate, harass. And the word there is devour. Uh, says, walks about like a roaring lion, seeing who may resist and devour, whom resist him. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So I've made it clear that we are in a battle, a royal spiritual battle, and you will be in that battle until you get to heaven. All right, now, I want to share with you four things. That first of all, if we're going to have victory in this spiritual battle, we have to live under authority. We have to live under authority. It is so clear. And until, until a person understands that, that you don't have authority until you live under authority. That's why in James it says, submit to God, be under his authority. Then resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Now, you need to understand that Jesus, our example, our, our Savior and our Lord, he lived under authority. He lived under the authority of his heavenly Father. In John chapter 5, verses 26 and 27, For as the Father has life in himself, he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And look at the next verse. And has given him authority. The Father has given Jesus authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Over in the same book, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 28, then Jesus said to them, when they lift me up, when they lift up the Son of Man, he was talking about on the cross, when you lift me up, you will know that I am he, and I do not, listen, I do nothing of myself. He said, I'm under authority. I do nothing of myself, but only what the Father tells me to do. And he said, and then, so he's saying, listen, everything I do is under the authority of Jesus, of the Father. I don't do anything myself. Whatever I speak, I speak what the Father has told me to speak. And so Jesus was under authority. And in John 9, 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. All right, so we've established the fact that Jesus Christ himself lived under authority. Now, I'm going to tell you a brief story. In Matthew chapter 8, and I'm not going to necessarily refer to the scripture, but I want you to get this. A centurion, he was not a believer, he was not a Jew. He wasn't in the, part of the Jewish religion came to Jesus and said, my servant, by the way, he was, he was a man of authority. He had a lot of soldiers under his command. He came to Jesus and said, my servant is at the point of death. Would you, would you heal him? Jesus said, I'll come to your house. Now listen to what he said. No, you don't have to come to my house. All you have to do is speak the word and he will be healed because he, then he talked about himself. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I say to the soldiers, come and go, come and go, and do the same thing. What he was saying, Jesus, you don't have to come. You, I know you're under authority. You're under the authority of the Father. And all you have to do to, is to speak to that illness, and my servant will be healed. Jesus stood back and marveled and said, I've never seen so great faith in all of Israel. Here's this centurion who understands authority, that I have the authority of the Father, and I'm under his authority, and I have the authority to speak, and that man will be healed. Jesus marveled at his faith. So Jesus was under authority. You know what it, uh, Matthew 28, 18 says? Listen to it. Last words before he went on to be with Father. He said, now, this is Jesus. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, who has authority? The Lord Jesus Christ. He lived under authority, and he had authority. Okay. Now, here's, here's the heart of the whole matter. If you miss this, you might as well not listen to the rest of the message. We'll never have authority in our Christian life. We'll never have authority over the enemy, Satan, over the world system of the flesh. 
will never be able to live a victorious Christian life. And by the way, let me tell you something about an abundant life. An abundant life is not a life without trials. Abundant life is not a life without battles. Abundant life is not a life where you just have joy, love, joy, and peace, and everything's smooth, you know, you're just sailing, you know. Let me tell you something. Abundant life is that you have love, joy, and peace in the midst of the battle. Abundant life is that you, are, you overcome your circumstances instead of your circumstances overcoming you. We get the idea, well, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, glory to God, I'm saved. Never have any trials, never have any troubles, never have any heartache, never have any sor- sorrow, never have any sickness. Oh, no, that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches that you have abundant life in the midst of trials and troubles and heartaches and sorrows. And that is because you have the authority of Jesus in your life. The Bible says that, the, let me talk what it about means for you and me to be under the authority of Jesus. It says over in the book of Philippians chapter 2, it says, the Father has highly exalted Jesus. Jesus is exalted. He is at the right hand of the Father on high with power and authority. Father has highly exalted Jesus, given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what do you do when you bow your knees before somebody? You're submitting to their authority. You bow before the king. You're submitting to authority. And it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so you bow your knee and you say, Jesus, I place my life under your authority. Now, when you do that, you're going to have authority. It's going to be real because you're under his authority. And, and this thing of, of, of uh, of being under authority in Romans 12 1 it says present your body a living sacrifice it's called yield yourself to God and so my word to you this morning if we are going to live in victory and if we're going to be overcomers then we have to be under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in the 10th chapter of the gospel of Luke that Jesus sent out the 70 He sent out the 70, and they came back and said this. I want you to listen to what they said in Luke 10, and I'm just not not going to quote the scriptures exactly, but it says in Luke 10, the disciples came back and said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I give you authority over scorpions and, and all this kind of stuff. I saw the devil fall like lightning from heaven. Please understand, I know you're in a spiritual battle. Oh, yeah, I know you are. I don't know what direction your battle's going, but I know you're in a war. But let me tell you something. Victory comes from living under the authority of Jesus Christ. It comes when you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. In other words, you place your all on the altar. Now, see... Why wouldn't you give Jesus? Why wouldn't you trust him with your whole life? Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, for one, give me one reason. 
why you would not be willing to, to surrender to the person who loves you more than anybody else loves you, who knows you better than anybody else knows you, and who went to the cross and died in your place and took your sin and your wrath so that you would not have to spend eternity in a devil's hell. Who in this, why in this world would you not put yourself under the authority of someone who loves you that much and who lives to live you, to live his life in you? Why would you not do that? I tell you why. The world resists, the flesh resists that. I want to live my life. I want to do my thing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Well, you can do that, but I'll tell you this, you're going to be beat up bad. And if you never surrender to Jesus, one day you're going to wake up in hell. And that is not the will of God. And so to have authority, we must live under authority. Now, in this warfare prayer, the first part of it, and I'm, gonna just, we're not gonna go, I'm just going to read a couple of things. Because it's key to the whole thing. When you start praying this prayer, listen to what you say. It's, on verse, it's in the third sentence of the paragraph, Warfare Prayer Personal. If you don't do this, you might as well not read the rest of the prayer. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly in every area of my life to yourself. So he said, Lord, I want you to know, I surrender myself completely, I mean all, unreservedly, I'm not holding back anything. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly. Every area of my life to you completely and unreservedly. Now, you know what you just did when you prayed? You put yourself under his authority. If you completely and unreservedly surrender every area of your life to him, then you just placed yourself under his authority. And you've got authority. You've got the authority of Jesus. And that's the only authority that the world, the flesh, and the devil will obey. All right. Let's go on to the second thing. We live under Christ's authority to have authority. And when you live under his authority, you have it. Okay? Now, what we have to understand, not only does the church at law, well, if the church ever understands what authority Jesus has and place itself under it, we're going to see a great movement of God. But, then we have to understand our position, our identity, and our power that is ours in Christ. In other words, that his victory is our victory. That his life is our life. That we're not living the Christian life in our own ability and our own power, not at all. We're not doing the best we can. Now, I've had people say to me, I would become a Christian, but I've tried it, and I can't live it. I can't live it. I say I'm going to do it, and I keep failing, and I keep falling back. Let me give you good news. God never said that you could live the Christian life. He never said you could. Jesus is the only person that ever lived the Christian life. But what God says is that Jesus Christ will come to live inside of you, and you will live not in your power, but you will live in the risen power of the Son of God. Man, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
I got up this morning. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. My Lord, have mercy. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So don't, 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 don't think that you can overcome the devil in your own power. You can't love your enemies. Only Jesus can. You won't be willing to go the, uh, the second mile with people. Only Jesus can give you the power to do that. You won't be able to forgive 70 times 7. Only Jesus can do that. And so we have to understand that it's not us living the Christian life. It is Christ in us that is the hope of the glory of God. All right, I'll show you some verses. Now, you open to a book of Ephesians. In the first chapter, verse 3, it says, that God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that's you and me that are Christians. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. My goodness. He says, Fred, Bill, Joe, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing, everything you need to live the Christian life, everything you live need to overcome the world, the flesh and the devil, everything you need to go through the battles of life. He said, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. It flows from heaven where Jesus is seated, seated at the right hand of the Father. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you're tempted, you don't look to yourself, you look to Jesus. When you're discouraged, you don't look to yourself, you look to Jesus. When the enemy comes against you, your marriage, you don't look to yourself, you look to Jesus. When the enemy comes after your children, you don't look to yourself, you look to Jesus. You understand here that Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and he is our life. All right, look what it says in verse 7. Now, this is just a little bit of the spiritual blessings. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Now, you know what redemption means? To purchase, to pay for, to buy back. It says, in him we have been purchased, paid for, and bought back. In him we have been purchased, paid for, and bought back. In him you have redemption through his blood, and the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. What a spiritual blessing. We don't have to live in guilt. We don't have to live in shame. My Lord, I mean, in him, he is purchased and paid for us by his holy, precious blood. And as a part of that redemption, we have forgiveness of our sin. We don't have to live in guilt. But then Paul prays a prayer that I really want you to, I want you to listen to this. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. Down in um, verse 16 of Ephesians 1, and it should be on the screen. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Do not cease to give thanks. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul said, I'm praying for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
You know what he prayed? He said, I'm asking God to show you who he is. I'm asking God to show you how great he is. He said, I'm praying that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that you will know how awesome and great and wonderful God is. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he goes on and says in verse 19, listen to this. Not only do I want you to know uh, who God is and how awesome and great he is, but verse 19, he said, I won't, I'm praying that you will know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. He said, Bill, Joe, Sue, Jim, Fred, I'm asking God to show you how great his power is toward you. How much power you have in him. Listen, if the church ever realizes, if we as believers ever really fully understand the power that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe, man, it's no telling what will happen in this world. There were 12 disciples. One of them betrayed Jesus. They elected another one. So these 12 went out. Every one of them died a martyr's death. Every one of them died for their faith. But you know what it was said of those 12 fishermen and carpenters and whatever they were? You know what it was said of them? Those people that turned the world upside down have come here also. We're sitting in this church today because the disciples went out and they knew the exceeding greatness of God's power toward them. And by the power of Jesus, they turned their world upside down. When's the church going to turn the world upside down? When are the people of God going to live in such power that the world does not ignore us But they say, my, surely God is in that place. You know, he said, I'm praying that God will let you know who he is and how wonderful he is. And I'm praying that you'll know how great his power is to you. And what kind of power is it? Verse 20, which he worked in Jesus when he raised him from the dead. (laughs) The father raised him from the dead. And guess where he is right now? Well, Lord, just open up heaven. Now, we, 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 we won't see you, Father, because no man has seen God at any time. God is spirit, and they that worship him in spirit and in truth. But, but you just open heaven. And by the way, there's a throne and the Father sitting upon it. But right beside the throne, there's another throne. And so God raised Jesus up and seated him At his right hand. Oh, Jesus. Now, you're living in us by your spirit. But you know, Jesus, you're over all the rulers of this world. You have all authority in heaven on earth. And there you are, just waiting till God tells you to come back. There you are at the right hand of the Father. You're seated there with power and authority. And not only are you seated there, but listen to what else he says. I love this. And and you seated there, raised him up from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, 21, far above all principality. He's way above every demonic spirit, far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. 
Are you ready for this? And you put all things under his feet. You put all things under Jesus' feet. Well, the devil is under Jesus' feet. Every principality and power and the rulers of the darkness of this world are under the feet of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? They are defeated, and they know they are defeated. They are not yet in hell. They're still operating in this atmosphere of this world in which we live in, but they're operating as defeated foes, and they know they're defeated. Now, but the problem is most of us don't know they're defeated, and if we let them kick us around like a football, no, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to understand that they're under the feet of Jesus and they're defeated. Well, you say, that's good, but I'm not. All right, well, sweet on. Look at chapter 2. When I saw this, it, it just I said, this is unbelievable. This is awesome. Okay, so Jesus is at Father's right hand, has exceeding greatness power toward us who believe, and everything is under his feet. Well, what's that got to do with me, Brother Fred? Look at chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, if you're glad God is rich in mercy, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for his mercy. Woo. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, with the great love with which he loved us, do you know how much God loves you? You say, I'm not too good. It ain't got nothing to do with your goodness. While you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. Jesus saw you at your worst and went to the cross and took your place. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead, dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. Are you ready for this? When you got saved, he raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places with him. Now wait a minute. You telling me Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness are under his feet. Well, I got saved and he made me alive and you got saved and he made you alive. So what he did, he just took us out of this wicked sinful world and, and, and positionally and took us right on and seated us with his son in the heavenly places. Now, if we're seated in Jesus, in heavenly places with Jesus, everything that's under his feet is under our feet. You mean to tell me, Brother Fred, that today when God sees you and me as Christians, he sees us seated with his son at the right hand of the Father, and the, the authority of Jesus is our authority, and everything that's under his feet is under our feet, I just read the Bible. That's what it says. Well, why am I having victory? Because you don't understand where, you, where you're seated at. Well, I'm just down here and I'm not ever going to be a good Christian. Come on. It ain't about you being a good Christian. It's about you knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. I'll tell you, I'm not a good Christian. I'm not. But i got a Savior who's a... Is the Christian, hallelujah. And praise God, his victory is my victory. And everything that's under his feet is under your feet. And all we got to do is know it and exercise it. Well, so we got to realize our position in Christ. 
He's raised us up together and seated us with him in heavenly places. And, uh, and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask a thing. Now, I say, I don't know what time it is. Oh, I'm in good shape. I only got two more points. I better take that off so I won't forget. And not that I'm going to let it stop me, but I need to know anyway. All right, here's the next thing you've got to understand. Okay. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Jesus on the cross purchased you with his own blood, and you don't belong to yourself if you're a Christian. You belong to him. So you completely and unreservedly yield every area of your life to Christ. You place yourself under his authority. And then you realize that in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And he is prayed that we would understand who God is and how great God is and, and that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe and that, that the Father seated him in a place of authority and victory. And when we got saved, he raised us up and seated us with him in a place of victory and authority. And now he says, in the next part of Ephesians, he says, a righteous, living a righteous and holy life brings great spiritual power and authority in your life. In fact, he, there are four things he tells us to do. Realizing who we are in Christ. Now, right here, look at chapter 4, verse 1. He said, walk worthy of the vocation with which you're called. All right? What he's saying is this. In chapter 4, verse 1, he said, walk worthy of, it says, walk worthy of the Lord, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. He said, listen, you're a child of God. Live like it. You're a child of the king. Live like it. Jesus Christ lives in you. Walk worthy. Just live a life worthy of the name Jesus. Walk worthy of the name Christian. Walk worthy of the vocation with which you're called. In chapter 5, you know what he says? Now, righteous and holy living is a great part of living a righteous, uh, having victory and power. He said, not only walk worthy, but in chapter 5, verse 2, listen to what he said. Walk in love. Walk in love. He said, live a life full of love. In verse 2, it says, and walk in love. As Christ also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. So, Jesus, you live in me. I can't live the Christian life, but you live in me. And so, therefore, I surrender to you. Now, Jesus, I want you to give me the power to walk worthy, that I'll be worthy of the name Christian. But, Jesus, I want you to absolutely love people through me. Would you just love people through me? I want to love my enemies. I want to bless those that curse me. I want to love those who persecute me. Jesus, would you just love, I want to love the people that love me. And he says, now walk in love, even as Christ loved you. So he said, walk worthy. Then he said, walk in love. And then he said, walk in the light. Oh, this is good. Chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Don't miss this. He says, walk in the light. Look at verse 8. You were once darkness. Before you got saved, you were darkness. It didn't say you were in the darkness. It said you were darkness. It says, for you were once darkness, 
But now you are light in the Lord. Listen, when you go to work in the morning, you may have been once darkness, but now Christ lives in you and light just walked into that place where you work. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And he says, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. And then he tells us in verse 11, don't you have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness? See, this world is dark. It's never been darker. But we're light. And he says, now, you walk, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk in the light. And by the way, don't you hobnob with the darkness. Don't fool around with the darkness. Don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, Brother Fred, I don't know uh, where there's any darkness. Well, won't you watch television? Well, I don't know where there's any darkness. Why don't you just read the newspaper? Listen to the news. All there is is darkness. They're fighting over now what, what restroom you're supposed to use. My Lord, have mercy. Can you believe that? I'm going to tell you, I've got, I've got it solved. If on your birth certificate it says you were born a male, use the men's restroom. If on your birth certificate it says you're a female, use a female's restroom. That settles it. Ain't nothing to vote about. And God didn't put it up for a vote. God says we're not going to vote on that. That's a joke. But you know what? When evil is never satisfied, it wasn't enough to have same-sex marriage. Now they're trying to tell us that men can use women's restrooms and women can use men's restrooms. Listen, evil is never satisfied. It is wicked. It is ungodly. And it is darkness. And the church is light. And we have to stand against the darkness. He said, you'll get in trouble. Who cares? They killed all the disciples. Let me tell you something. When you watch that which is filled with violence and sex and the works of the flesh. Now stay with me. When you, when you, when you let your eyes engage in that, you're having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. God said, don't you have any fellowship? Don't you feed your flesh? He said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Let me tell you something. I'm just saying to you, if you're saved, you'll know what darkness is. And God will show you that's darkness. Don't you have anything to do with that? You won't have to wonder if it's darkness. Oh, no, 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 no. If the Holy Spirit's in you. I remember when my oldest son, he got right with God. And, 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 and he's, uh, uh, he was really changed. And uh, he used to love to go to the rock concerts. And, and after he got saved, he came home one day and he'd gone to one. He'd only been saved a few weeks. He said, I ain't never going back. I said, why? He said, well, demons were all over the place. He realized it was darkness. So he says, walk, in, walk worthy, walk in love, walk in the light. And then in verse 18, he says, walk in the spirit. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. But be filled with the spirit. Love Walk in, walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness. So, we place ourselves under the authority of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. 
We understand that everything we need, that in Jesus we're complete and we're seated with him in heavenly places and the victory of Jesus is our victory and his life is our life. And then we just start living a righteous and a holy life, not in our own power. You can't live a righteous and holy life in your own power. It is the righteousness of Jesus in you. It is the holiness of Jesus in you. But then... You stand against the enemy. That's when you take authority over the devil. You take authority over him. You just have authority over him. Over in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, listen to what he said. Verse, chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hey, you can just be strong in him and in the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, There are two weapons that I want to talk about. They're both offensive weapons. He talks about the girdle of truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the helmet of salvation. But then he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God that we sang about all morning, is an offensive weapon. The devil tempted Jesus three times in the wilderness. All three times Jesus answered him with Scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the second temptation, he said, he answered from Deuteronomy, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The third one, they tempted him. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The devil tempted him in the body, the soul, and the spirit. Every time Jesus jabbed him with the word of God, and he left. You have an offensive weapon, and that is the word of God. And when the enemy comes against you, you use the word of God against him. Satan or a demon puts a lustful thought in your mind. You say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The devil says, you go ahead and cheat a little bit on that business deal. Just, you know, just take a little under the table. Just cheat a little bit. You say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse that. You shall not bear false witness. I ain't going to lie. You answer with the word of God. But not only is there the weapon of the word of God, and you use it against the devil, and he sticks him like a sword every time you use the word of God against him. But then there's the power of prayer. It says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And so I believe that warfare praying is an offensive weapon. That's a weapon that we, we, we attack the devil before he attacks us. Now, you remember I told you there are 1,426 words in this prayer. Oh, the devil's only mentioned 15 times. It is not a prayer about the devil. He is defeated. He's under the feet of Jesus. And all you're doing is telling the devil and the demons of hell, you are defeated and hell awaits you and I, you have no power over me. And he doesn't. Unless you give it to him. Well, I want you to, they're going to put it up on the screen. Some of you can't read that fine print. I can tell by just looking at you. (laughs) But now, 
What we're going to do, you can just remain seated. You don't have to stand up. But now we're going to get to that third sentence where it says, I completely and unreservedly yield my life. I, I, I completely and unreservedly yield my life to you. Because that's surrender. You say, well, Brother Fred, I can pray that. Because I believe I'm surrendered. I do. I don't know of any area where I'm not surrendered. Praise God. But you say, Brother Fred, I don't know if I can pray that. Because there are some areas of my life that I, I don't think I've surrendered. All right, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to surrender it? Now, you can pray this prayer. You say, well, I, there's some areas of my life that I'm struggling. But I am willing to surrender that area to the Lord. I'm willing to give it to him. Then you can pray it and not be a hypocrite. Or you can say this. Well, I'm just going to tell you, Brother Fred. I don't know if I'm willing to yield that area of my life to Jesus or not. Then I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be made willing? You say, God, you know how I feel about that. And frankly, I'm not sure I'm willing to yield that to you, but I'll tell you one thing, Lord. If you're who you say you are and you're God, I'm willing for you to make me willing to let go of that in my life. So if you're surrendered, you're going. If you have areas but you are willing to surrender it now, or even if you have an area where you're not willing but you're willing for God to make you willing. You're saying you do what you've got to do to break that stronghold in my life. Then you feel free to pray it. Read it. If you don't, any of those who just just join with us and, and uh, pray for us as we, as we pray it. Now, we're going to pray one, one paragraph at a time, and, and now I'm going to explain a little bit about it. Okay, are you ready? To, let, me, let, me, let me get, all right. Father, You said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's begin to read it out loud. Read it on the screen. Heavenly Father, I bow in worship and praise before you. I cover myself with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as my protection during this time of prayer. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly in every area of my life to yourself. All right, so we've prayed and we've surrendered. We're gone, all right? Let's continue. I do take a stand against all the workings of Satan that would hinder me in this time of prayer. I address myself only to the true and living God and refuse any involvement of Satan in my prayer. So what you're saying, the enemy's not going to have anything to do with this prayer. I refuse it in Jesus' name. And then you resist him. So just let's do it. Satan, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to leave my presence with all your demons. I bring the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ between us all right, let's go on to the next one. Now, you, you, so you've just told the Lord your heart. and You've resisted the enemy. Then you start worshiping God. It says, look at it. Let's read it. Heavenly Father, 
I worship you. I give you praise. I recognize that you're worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. I renew my allegiance to you. Hey, wait a minute. That's surrender again. I renew my allegiance to you and pray that the blessed Holy Spirit would enable me in this time of prayer. All right? And boy, look, you're going to start thanking God for how he's blessed you. I am thankful. Let's go. I am thankful, Heavenly Father, that you have loved me from past eternity. And you sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die as my substitute, that I would be redeemed. I am thankful the Lord Jesus Christ came as my representative and that through him you have completely forgiven me. You have given me eternal life. You have given me the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I am now justified. Will somebody say amen? Amen. Let's move on. (laughs) I am thankful that in him, Christ, you have made me complete. You have offered yourself to me to be my daily help and strength. All right. Heavenly Father, come, open my eyes that I may see how great you are and how complete your provision is for the new day. I do, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, take my place with Christ in the heavenlies with all principalities and powers, powers of darkness and wicked spirits under my feet. We just prayed what was in Ephesians. He raised us up and seated us together with Jesus in heavenly places. So we take our place. Go on. I am thankful for the victory the Lord Jesus Christ won for me on the cross and that through his resurrection has been given to me and that I am seated with the Lord Jesus Christ in heavenly places. He said, Lord, thank you for the victory Jesus won on the cross and his resurrection is mine. And thank you that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. All right? Read on. Therefore, I declare that all principalities and powers, all wicked spirits are subject to me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen? Amen. All right, move on. I am thankful for the armor you have provided. I put on the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, the helmet of salvation. I lift up the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy and take in my hand the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and use your word against all forces of evil in my life. Praise God. I put on this armor, and I live and pray in complete dependence upon you, blessed Holy Spirit. All right. We're just rejoicing in the victory of Jesus. Look what it says. Let's pray it. I am grateful, Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ spoiled all principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, and triumphed over them in himself. Hallelujah. All right. I claim all of his victory. Wait a minute. He won. He spoiled all principalities and powers and triumphed over them. So we sing, 
All right, I claim all his victory for my life today. I reject all the insinuations, accusations, and the temptations of Satan from my life. I affirm that the word of God is true. I choose to live today in the light of God's word. I choose, Heavenly Father, to live in obedience to you and in fellowship with yourself. Open my eyes. Show me vulnerable areas of my life so there will be no ground to give Satan a foothold against me. Show me any area of weakness. Show me any area of my life that I must deal with in order to please you. All right? Today, in every way, I stand for you and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. All right? Okay, now th- we, this, this one, we're going to put off the old nature and put on the new. The Bible says that we put off the old man, but you'll, 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 there are verses I could give you, but we're just going to pray it, okay? Here we go. By faith and in dependence on you, I put off the old man. By the way, that was in Adam. I put off the old man and stand into all the victory of the crucifixion where the Lord Jesus Christ provided cleansing from the old nature. I put on the new man and stand into all the victory of the resurrection and the provision he has made for me there to live above sin. Therefore, in this day, I put off the old nature with its selfishness. I put on the new nature with its love. I put off the old nature with its fear. And I put on the new nature with its courage. I put off the old nature with its weakness. And I put on the new nature with its strength. I put off, the old, I, I put off today the old nature with its deceitful lust. And I put on the new nature with all of its righteousness and purity. I do in every way. Now just look what we pray in. I do in every way stand in the victory of the ascension and glorification of the Son of God. Where all principalities and powers were made subject to him. And I claim my place in Christ. (laughs) Victorious with him over all the enemies of my soul. Does somebody say amen? Woo! Glory to God. Blessed Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me a fresh feeling. Come into my life. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe. All right, now, we got another, let's go ahead with the next one. I am thankful, Heavenly Father, for the expression of your will for my daily life, as you have shown me in your word. Therefore, I claim all the will of God for today. I am thankful that you blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have begotten me unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I am thankful that you've made a provision so that today I can live filled with the Spirit of God with love, joy, and self-control in my life. I recognize this is your will for me, and I therefore reject and resist all the endeavors of Satan and his demons to rob me of the will of God. All right. I refuse to believe my feelings, and I hold up the shield of faith 
against all the accusations and insinuations Satan would put in my mind. Now, I claim the fullness of the will of God for today. All right. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I completely surrender myself as a living sacrifice to you, Heavenly Father. I choose not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I pray that you would show me your will and enable me to walk in the fullness of the will of God today. All right, now this is where you're going to smash, you're going to really take the offensive and smash some things of the enemy. So we just start right here. I am thankful, Heavenly Father, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I desire to bring every thought into the obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, this is where we take the offensive in a greater way. Therefore, in my own life today, I tear down the strongholds of Satan and I smash the plans Satan has formed against me. I tear down the strongholds of Satan against my mind and surrender my mind to you, blessed Holy Spirit. I affirm, Heavenly Father, you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I break and smash the strongholds of Satan formed against my emotions, and I give my emotions to you. I smash the strongholds of Satan against my will, and I give my will to you and choose to make the right decisions of faith. I smash the strongholds of Satan formed against my body and give my body to you, recognizing I am your temple. I rejoice in your mercy and goodness. All right, now we're getting toward the end. Heavenly Father, I pray that now throughout this day, you would quicken me and show me the way Satan is hindering, tempting, lying, counterfeiting, and distorting the truth in my life. Enable me to be the kind of person that would please you. Enable me to be aggressive in prayer. Enable me to be aggressive mentally, to thank your thoughts after you, to give you your rightful place in my life. Again, I now cover myself with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray that you, blessed Holy Spirit, will bring all the work of the crucifixion, the resurrection, the glorification, and Pentecost into my life today. I surrender myself to you. I refuse to be discouraged. You're the God of all hope. You've proven your power by resurrecting Jesus Christ from the dead. I claim your victory in every way over all satanic forces active in my life. I reject these forces, and I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving. 